Lord God, we just make that our prayer this morning, God. We ask, God, that you would help us to always be aware of who you are, to always be aware of what you've done, that we would be mindful of you, that we would give you praise as you deserve, Lord. We just thank you, God, for this morning. God, we thank you for the opportunity to come together. That, Lord, I pray that each one would be encouraged in you this morning, Lord. Help us, Lord, as we talk to one another after the service, Lord, to, to encourage, to bring words of life, to be quick to pray for one another, Lord, that we can commit ourselves to you, that we can acknowledge who you are and just be filled with praise for you, God, because you are worthy of our praise. We, we surrender this morning to you, Lord. Lord, we lift our hands and we say, Lord, we are yours. We surrender to you. We just thank you for all you've done for us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Amen. Oh, I'm excited. If, any, if anyone's been on Facebook since about 10.30 last night, I, I did a little post saying, I'm just so excited about what God's doing and what God's stirring in me for this morning. And the whole way through the service already, I'm just going, oh God, you're saying it again already. It's like, woo! I'm just going to try and contain my excitement. Sorry. Um, thank you, Jesus. Um, I just wanted to highlight really quickly again, um, just our, our seniors morning coming up. I think it's in the announcements, that slide, Charlie, if you can grab it. Um, we've had some great seniors morning teas at our place in the past, haven't we? Yeah, great cuppers, amazing food. It's amazing. I always say, don't bring anything, and they all bring all this amazing food, and we have these amazing feasts. This one's not at, not at our place, uh, because... I've realised that's not sustainable. <laughs> Our home is a certain size and we have too many seniors to fit in that home. Um, so we're coming here. Yeah, praise God. Um, we're having seniors morning, Wednesday and 29th of March, 10am here at CFC. And I want to thank Lorraine and Marilyn too for helping make that happen. And if you read through the reports, um, yeah, amen. Um, my prayer since the first one we started was, Lord, bring someone else along that can help me keep this going regularly. And it's taken about, f it's five years. No, it's, it was 2011 we had our first one, so it's six years. Um, but thank you, Jesus. He, he raises up a person. So seniors, please come along if you can. Um, let us know, let myself or Marilyn or Lorraine or someone know if you can come along. That'd be fantastic. So if you can, we'll go back to the other PowerPoint now. Thanks, Charlie. Um, some of you may have noticed Rochelle's away today and uh, she's been away for two nights. And you all go, oh, poor Andrew, poor Andrew. <laughs> No, you're not really. Um, we, we all survived, just to let you know. We're all healthy and well. My parents looked after Sally just to break up the, the multitudes. That was nice. But uh, Rochelle's away at a pastor's wives and lady pastor's camp this weekend, so she's having a great time. She keeps texting me saying, oh, we're having a great time having coffee and cake. And, and we just went for a walk, and it's like, oh, great. Thank you. Anyway, <laughs> how many of us know that so often the things that we fear... The fear of something is often worse than the actual thing we fear, like your wife going away and leaving you with all the kids. <laughs> it's really not that bad. No, that's not really what I was meaning to refer to. But so often, the fear of something is so much worse than the actual thing. I mean, the fear, the fear of spiders and things like that, you, it, most of the time spiders are pretty insignificant, like if you really want to get rid of them, um, you can do something about it. It's really not that big a thing to fear. And the fear itself is greater than the actual thing that you're fearing. And this week I've had to, to battle a fear. It's not a, not a huge fear, but it's a fear nonetheless. Uh, as you heard earlier, we've got the State Youth and Kids Leaders Training Day coming up. And I guess um, I would put my hand up and say, 
If, if, if it falls over, if it's a flop, you can blame me. <laughs> I'm the organiser. I'm the one behind it and delegating different things. But there's, there's lots of different things to think about. There's music and there's food and there's speakers and there's morning teas and afternoon teas and registrations and, and logistics and technology stuff. And there's a lot to think through. And you can think, oh, what if people don't come? Or, or what if people come and they don't like it? What if, they, what if they're not encouraged? What if uh, people just don't turn up? It'll flop. And, and what if I've forgotten something? I, I believe it won't. But <laughs> what, if, what, what if I've forgotten something? And, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a fear sometimes in organising something. Have you ever organised a birthday party? And you think, have we got all the things? Have we got all the things ready? And maybe there's 10 kids. Maybe We're hoping for 100 youth and kids leaders this weekend. Um, and... Maybe more, but uh, I'll say all that for this reason. Fear can be crippling. Fear can cripple us. Fear can stop us from moving forward. Fear can, can stop us from functioning as God intended us to, to live. But love says, I'm going to do this thing anyway. Uh, you know, I, I'm happily and joyfully pressing on, even despite the challenges and the, the, uh, the things in my mind that think, Andrew, have you done this? And you go, oh no, Andrew, you've still got to do this. I'm pressing forward because love drives me on, because I, I have a love for the youth leaders and the kids leaders in this state and in this church. I am so thankful for the, the, the leaders of kids ministry and youth ministry around this state that I will do anything I can to encourage them and to build them up, to inspire and help them to, to continue on in the journey that they've begun. Because I believe that the young people in this state, as God reveals his love to them, they can change the world. Imagine if... Uh, I, I don't want to... Wow! It's all, like, I'm excited! <laughs> I say all this for this reason. We all have fears. We all have fears at times. We all face things. We have things in our life. Maybe right now there's something in your life that you have a, a fear about. What is that thing that you fear? Don't say it, just think about it. You don't have to say it. So often we can allow fear to drive us. So many people allow fear to be their motivating factor in life. It could be the fear of rejection, it could be the fear of missing out, it could be the fear of being perceived as a failure. I wonder, what do you fear? What are the things that in your heart you know you've been afraid of? Fear cripples us, but love releases us. Love overrides fear. Love drives us forward. And you might be thinking, no, but fear, fear saves me. Fear releases me. Fear stops me from getting myself into doing things that I might get scared and not want to do. Like fear, fear, fear saves me from those things. And there, there are fears that are good. There's, there's fear of fire that stops us putting our, our hands in, in fire and that stops us getting burnt. There's fear of falling off a cliff so you don't walk up too close and fall off the edge. Really, I think that's the love of my, my life, that I don't want to fall off the edge of the cliff, not the fear of the cliff. Um, but some fears, there are rational fears, and then there's irrational fears, aren't there? And you can have a fear of sharks, like I had a fear of sharks for some time after I came face-to-face -face with a six-metre great white shark about ten years ago. I've told, told that story before, I won't tell it again. And last weekend, I had a, a rational fear of sharks. We were in Warnable, and uh, I spoke to the lifeguard. Why is that sign up saying beach closed, like the surf is tiny? Like, what's going on? And I said, oh, there's a shark. 
And I said, that's a good reason to close the beach. I, I have a, a rational fear of sharks that tells me I'm not going to go swimming again, even though we didn't see a sign earlier and we'd already been swimming. But <laughs> if you were afraid to go swimming, surfing, going in the water every day of your life, that's a crippling fear. It's stealing life from you. If you've got that, I want to pray for you after. This is not good. <laughs> the beach is fantastic. Anyway, we're going to open the Bible. Let's open our Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. We're continuing our series on a generous life. We have a loving, generous God who wants to give us life. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. Let's see what the Bible says. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that, he might, so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen, him, seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. God is love. We talked about it last week. He showed his love to the world at the cross. God is love. Some people say, you know, everyone's good at heart. Everyone's essentially good and there's no one really bad. It's just we all do some bad things at times. Some people would put it that way. And yet other people would say, we're all sinful. We're all too bad. No one can deserve God's forgiveness. And it's like, look at what I've done. How could God forgive me for these things? And some people struggle to accept God's love because they think they're too bad a sinner. Or maybe they point to someone else and say, God, God, God loves all people, but how could he forgive that person? How could he forgive that person after what they did to me or to that person? And there's, there's two sides. People argue at times. But God says, this is my love. Even though everyone sins, everyone disobeys God, everyone hurts others and hurts God, breaks his heart, not because of what you might do, not because of what you have done, 
But because he loves us, because he first loved us, despite our sinfulness, despite the things that we have done and will do, Jesus chose to die for you and I. Verse 11, he says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. He's saying, do you get his love? Do you see how much he loves you? Do you understand how much he loves you? He's saying, you know, unforgiveness is not okay. If you understand God's love for you, his amazing grace, his, the, the, the enormous debt he's forgiven you, how can you not forgive your brother and sister? Since God loved us this much, surely we ought to forgive each other. Surely, surely we ought to love each other. He says, if you don't love one another, you don't know my love. You don't understand my love. You don't understand my grace. What do we have to fear? What do we have to fear if God is for us? Who can be against us, it says in Romans 8? Plenty of people can be. But if God is for us, what does it matter? If God is for us, people will come against us. People will come against you and, and, and people will be against you. But if God is for us, who can be against us? What do we have to fear? Verse 12 says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And we can show people what God is like. You have the opportunity to be an ambassador for God, to show someone else what God is like, to show them his love, to show them his grace, to show them his forgiveness, his generous love. What a privilege that he would choose to use you to show your neighbor his love. That person down the street, that person at work, maybe even the person that's coming against you. Verse 13, he says, And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him. And he says, Furthermore, we have seen him. We testify that he is our saviour. This is what God has done. It's happened. It's not just a hope. It's what God's done. God has given us his spirit. It's the proof. We live in him. Woo! Yay! <laughs> Get excited. Furthermore, we have seen him. Have you seen him? I've seen him. I've seen him in my own life. It changed my heart. He's changed me. He's changed people around me. I've seen him move and, and heal people's body physically, in my own. From a broken back one day to, to healed and, and pain-free the next. We testify that he is our saviour. Can you say that? I testify that he is my saviour. Amen. Amen. Someone talked a few weeks ago about how God doesn't want us just to know about God. That Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. We, we are to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. That we don't just know about Him, but we live in relationship with God. That day by day we, we listen to His Spirit. We, we do life with God. It's not just a knowledge. It's not just a belief. It's a relationship. Some people say, but yeah, the Bible tells us we've got to fear God. We've got to live in fear. It says in Proverbs 9, verse 10, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And that's true. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. I want to put it this way. It's got some flaws to the, to the analogy, but <clears throat> hopefully you can see what I'm trying to point out. Um, 
Imagine you, you start, started a new school. You go along to this new school, and the first day, the first thing you hear is like, oh, watch out for the principal. It's like, he's, he's crazy. He's just looking for everyone to just pull you up on stuff. He, he's, and you, you hear the stories, and you, you're living in fear of this principal. It's like, wow, this guy is full on. It's like, I don't want to slip up. I don't want to mess up, because if I do, I'm going to be in trouble. And... and that fear of the principle leads to self-control. And that self-control leads to good choices. And those good choices lead to studying well and doing well and being blessed and, and rewards for that work you've done well. And as you get older and as you get into year 11 and 12, as the teachers relax a little bit and uh, you get to know the principle a little bit, you go, wow, it was all, it was all not a front, but he just loves people. He so loves people. He just wants them to do well in life. He doesn't want them to get distracted. He doesn't want them to get tied up in those things going on over there, down behind the sports shed. He doesn't want us to get distracted by those things because he loves us. And suddenly a fear of the principle totally changes. It goes from fear to, to thankfulness, to gratefulness, to joy, to an amazing respect and honor of that principle. And you then have a great friend that you respect for the rest of your life. I'm not talking about anyone in particular, actually, by the way. I'm just, maybe some teachers in general. But The fear of God leads us to discover that we have an awesome, generous, loving God. And there is fear. There should be a fear of God for those who don't yet know Him as their Saviour. Because He will judge all people. There is a coming judgment for all people. And if we don't yet fear God, we do not have wisdom yet. The fear of God leads us to discover that we have an awesome, generous, loving God. And on one, on one end of the spectrum of fear, you have fear. <laughs> and on the other end of the spectrum of fear, you have worship. Fear changes to worship when you see the one you fear has love for you. God's called us to be worshippers of Him. He says, we know Him. God's Spirit lives in us. We have put our trust in Him, and He loves us. Wow. The creator, the creator of the heavens and the earth loves us. He goes on in verse 17 and says, And we live in God, and our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But, can, but we can face Him with confidence. We can come boldly. Kim was praying or reading earlier. We can come boldly before God's throne of grace because we live like Jesus here in this world. Not for selfish desires, not for our own benefit, but to glorify God. We live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Perfect love expels all fear. I'm sure you've had a time in some relationship, whether it's husband, wife, friend, whatever, and you've, you've come to that person one day and you're thinking, I've just got to admit it, I've got to tell them, I've got to be honest. But there's a fear, you're thinking, what are they going to say? How are they going to react? And uh, I can think of certain times in my life when I, I had something I sort of had to confess to Rochelle that I planned an event on her birthday or different things at different times, and uh, I've had to confess what I've done and at first there's a fear. But when you know that person loves you, when you're in a committed relationship, 
in a covenant relationship of marriage. We can come and, and, and know that we love each other completely, that we've committed ourselves, and that even if I break that vase, even if something happens, I don't want to say anything, then maybe think you're thinking I'm predicting the future. Um, <laughs> even if something happens, I know we love each other, and perfect love expels all fear. And we can come to each other honestly, and we can come before God honestly and boldly and know that He loves us. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. For me to live is to, to, to be Christ to this world. It's to give my life, to help people know His love. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, whether in, in life or death, there is nothing to fear. There is no fear in life. There is no fear in death. We sang it just before. Because Jesus has saved us and we know he loves us. What can we possibly fear when we know God is for us? And God desires to set us free, to lead us into freedom. We used to have a, a sign on the wall here at church that said, uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. There is fullness of life. There is abundance in God. God's desire is for you to give you life and life to the full, life abundantly. That we would be free indeed. Let me read it to you from the Amplified Version, verse 17. In this union and fellowship with Him, love is completed and perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, with assurance and boldness to face Him. Because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. God is love. It reminds me, as I read that, of a, a verse. Uh, for about 10 years, I was a part of the team that that ran Claytime. Claytime, our, our former youth ministry name. Sam's like, yeah, Claytime, bring on the old days. No, no, the good days are ahead. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and for 10 years, we had Claytime. That was our name. And we had a verse that was like our motto for, for Claytime. And I'm not going to read it to you just yet. But I, just, I want to read to you the passage from Isaiah 64. I want to start in verse 1. This is almost like a, a prayer he's praying. He says, Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. How the mountains would quake in your presence as fire causes wood to burn and water to boil. Your coming would make the nations tremble. Then your enemies would learn the reasons, reason for your fame. When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our highest expectations. And oh, how the mountains quaked. For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. You welcome those who gladly do good, who follow, you, who follow godly ways. But you have been very angry with us, for we are not godly. We are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Yet no one calls on, no one calls on your name or pleads with you for mercy. 
Therefore you have turned away from us and turned us over to our sins. And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. Don't be so angry with us, Lord. Please don't remember our sins forever. Look at us, we pray, and see that we are all your people. We know that through Jesus we can be free from sin. We do not have to be like he's saying there that we're doomed because of our sin, but we can be set free because of our sin. And he says, we are the clay and you are the potter. God is our creator. He's our creator and as a potter who's making a, a pot on a spinning wheel, or if you've ever tried that, it's pretty tricky. And it, it, as the potter works on the pot and he just looks at it and it's getting so out of shape, he could so rightly just go, Next. But he doesn't do that. He is the potter and we are the clay. And he doesn't throw us out. He never abandons us. He just continues to shape, to mould us, to, to chip off those bumpy bits, those rough edges, to shape us for his glory. He doesn't hold our sins against us. But if we turn to him, he'll, he'll mould us, he'll shape us. We are forgiven the moment we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. As we, as we acknowledge that Jesus has paid the penalty for our sin, we are forgiven. I just want to read from, you, from Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. That is what I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? And your body more than clothing. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow... He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. God is our creator. If you're feeling stressed, if you're afraid, if you're worried, we can know that God loves us. That he does not hold our sins against us. We don't have to take those things on board and try and deal with them ourselves. He says to us, cast our cares on him because he cares for us. That's my translation of 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. You don't have to carry it. He doesn't want you to carry it. He wants you to give those things over to him and be free from those fears, free from those worries. He says in verse 18, if, if we are afraid, it's, it is for fear of punishment. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And it shows we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We can have confidence in his love. We can have confidence in Jesus' love for you. You don't have to be afraid. You can trust in his love. Sure, we're still going to have challenges in life. We might lose a job. We might 
crash a car, we might have people against us, we might have health issues, we might have loved ones die, but God is for us, He is not against us. And we don't have to fear, what was the line of that song we sang, the storm that comes and every storm that comes, we won't be afraid. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm preaching. We sang it, but do we believe it? Sam's like, which song was that? I'm going to ask the band to come. We're going to close as I just read this last passage from Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 says this, I once thought these things, this is Paul, he's talking about being a devout Jew, about his circumcision and how he followed everything in the law to the, to, to the best of his ability all the time, doing everything he could. He said, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I know what Christ and I know I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection of the dead. I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again, with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. And they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Saviour. He will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like His own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. So many people live their lives ruled by fear, crippled by fear, fear dominating their thinking. But let's not be like those people. We know who Jesus is. We know what he's done. Let's see his love and live in his love. To see his generous love, his generous forgiveness and be generous as he is generous. Don't allow criticism or comparison to creep into your life. But ask God to remind you day by day by day to remember His love, that He is the great potter who formed you and wants to work with you and help you to live in the freedom and the fullness of life that He came to give you. Church, let's forget the past and press on to what God has for us today. 
And today, when it becomes tomorrow, tomorrow, let's press on for what God has for us. We're gonna, can we stand and we're going to sing this song? I have this hope as an anchor for my soul. It's not moving. Through every storm, I will hold to you. With endless love, all my fear is swept away. In everything, I will trust in you. There is hope in the promise of the cross. Let's sing it. Let's make it a prayer. Let's declare it to ourselves and to the people around us this morning. And let's go out with a revelation of His love. That we would be people who live in His love day by day. God bless you. Let's stand. Let's sing. Thanks, guys.